Just a very brief ad lib before I begin, and don't panic, Graham. <laughs> don't panic, Andy, you'll still get to your booking. Um, Mark has mentioned about the extraordinary love that I felt from all of you in this church today and over the past week or so in prayers, in love, in support, in banter, in encouragement. You know, um, it has really lifted me up and you have been the body of Christ displaying that love to me. If I may just mention one person, Mary Jennings is over here from Tamworth, and when I saw her out in the uh, foyer, she said, I wouldn't miss this for the world. <laughs> I think that means she's looking forward to it, but... <laughs> um, so we're into week four of our series on treasure, and our second week in a row with a first-time preacher, John. Given that backdrop, what can I possibly add to the subject, I thought. Now last week, John shared with you a little about the preaching course that he, I, Mark Gibbons and others have been on recently with Graham. Unlike John, my fear wasn't being up here in front of you all, you scary group of adults. Well, genuinely, you are scary if you want to come up here and have a little look. Um, instead, my biggest concern was that I would talk in my own strength and not in God's. That I'd be too fond of my own words and not fond enough, fond enough of God's word. Above all else, Graham's number one mantra to us throughout the course was preparation, preparation, preparation. And coupled with this, just be yourself. So when I bumped into him at number seven three days ago and he asked how I was getting on, I gave him a sheepish, okay. The truth is, I hadn't even looked at the passage that Mandy has so kindly and powerfully just read to us. Please believe me, please, Graham, honestly, it wasn't a case of me willfully ignoring everything Graham taught us. Honestly, Graham, it wasn't. Nor was it my nature, as many dear friends have put to me, of being deliberately contrary and determined to be different. Instead, it was another personality trait that's rather less obvious. The truth is, it's been really tough just being me this week, or two. Now really, I hear some of you thinking, that doesn't sound like the mark that I know. But it may surprise many of you to know that I suffer with mental health problems. For 16 years now, I've been taking escitalopram to boost the levels in my brain of serotonin, the natural neurotransmitter that gives you the feel-good factor, or as I like to think of it, my happy hormone. It may be 
that those of you who perhaps have been initially surprised to hear about my depression problems are actually now thinking, okay, I get that. That explains a lot. And can I have some of what he's on? <laughs> to put it in context, you see, Susie and our children, Susie and Abigail have come back from Cornwall to be here to hear my first preach. They set off to Cornwall over two weeks ago, since when I've been largely on my own in Bridge North. And as I know from experience, that just one of the triggers, pardon the pun, is a sure sign of a depressive decline in my well-being. I won't bore you with the long list of things I'm contending with. Leave aside the spiritual demons, no doubt. As I said, my concern always was to ensure my preaching was about God's word and not about me. But my circumstances have rendered me totally unprepared for this talk just two days ago. And Graham had taught us that was a surefire way to leave God out of it. So, Ebby, lovely to see you. So, what relevance, you might ask, has all this got to our passage today and the theme of sharing treasure, sharing your treasure? Have it your own way. Just keeping it really simple, there are two parts to the theme, and conveniently Mark Gibbons dropped the, the middle word, your. Firstly, sharing. And secondly, treasure. The first sharing relies on the second. The second, that is the treasure, is an absolute prerequisite. After all, you cannot share something that you don't have. So if we don't even recognize the treasure we have in Christ Jesus, in the Father and in the Holy Spirit, how can we share it? In my struggles, I had failed to acknowledge, recognize, or even remember the priceless treasure I had in Jesus. <laughs> God wasn't gonna let me forget. He had other ideas all along, as it's now been revealed to me, all in the nick of time. He knew how to keep me out of the preparation and make it all about him. From Friday morning, the day after I'd fobbed off Graham, <laughs> I was inundated with such a strong, clear, consistent message from multiple Christian sources that it could only be of God. My Friday morning verse from version I'd recommend it to anyone, by the way, who wants to subscribe to that, was from Matthew 6, where it says, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. On the same day, my Freedom in Christ daily devotional was entitled Dealing with Anxiety and cited as its key text from Philippians 4, verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And that promise, that promise 
is immediately preceded by a command. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I was drawn to 1 Peter, where Peter writes, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And a dear Christian friend texted me as follows. Been praying for you this week and that God will fill you with his knowledge and the words he wants you to bring to the congregation on Sunday. Also, that he will give you peace and bat away any concerns. And then there's today's reading. I'm picking just one of many salient parts of the passage from verses eight to nine. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Are you beginning to see the picture that, as one of the songs we sang was talking about, that this blind beggar finally saw? Admittedly, it had to be sort of rammed down my throat, as I'm not particularly good at hearing God. But this, this is the life God promised us. This is the life we should expect. As these few passages attest, he very definitely never promised a life without worries and cares, without troubles on every side, without being knocked down. Holy guacamole. I like that. I would never say it, but I thought I'd put it in here. <laughs> this has been the toughest of weeks for me, in which I have really struggled to sense God's presence. But God said he'd take on all of those worries. God guaranteed he'd be there for us always. He promised. And a God promise is a good promise to hang your hat on. He never lets us down. Let me just repeat that. A God promise is a good promise to hang your hat on. He never lets us down. So I had a choice, and I'm sure we've all faced that choice at some point. Do I succumb to the feeling, the emotion, the sense of anxiety, or do I believe on the truth, however bleak things feel? And this is the truth. Um, as neatly brought together by the Freedom in Christ team on a single A6 postcard entitled 20 Cans of Success. I commend this and indeed the whole series of postcards from Freedom in Christ as indeed I commend the teaching series and the whole process if you want to give it a go. And I hope you'll forgive me if I now share all 20. And I'd like to suggest, if you will, that you close your eyes and just dwell on these words 
and visualize their power as I share them slowly. Why should I say I can't when the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? Why should I worry about my needs when I know that God will take care of all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Why should I fear when the Bible says God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Why should I lack faith to live for Christ when God has given me a measure of faith? Why should I be weak when the Bible says that the Lord is my strength, sorry, is the strength of my life, and that I will display strength and take action because I know God? Why should I allow Satan control over my life when he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world? Why should I accept defeat when the Bible says that God always leads me in victory? Why should I lack wisdom when I know that Christ became wisdom to me from God and God gives wisdom to me generously when I ask him for it? Why should I be depressed when I recall to mind God's loving kindness, compassion and faithfulness and have hope? Why should I worry and be upset when I can cast all my anxieties on Christ who cares for me? Why should I ever be in bondage knowing that Christ has set me free and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Why should I feel condemned when the Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Why should I feel alone when Jesus said, He is with me always and He will never leave me nor forsake me? Why should I feel like I am cursed? when the Bible says that Christ rescued me from the curse of the law, that I might receive his spirit by faith? Why should I be discontented when I, like Paul, can learn to be content whatever the circumstances? Why should I feel worthless when Christ became sin for me so that I might become the righteousness of God? Why should I feel helpless in the presence of others when I know that if God is for me, nobody or nothing greater can be against me? Why should I be confused when God is the author of peace and he gives me knowledge through his spirit who lives in me? Why should I feel like a failure when I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me? And why should I let the pressures of life bother me when I can take courage knowing that Jesus has overcome the world and its problems? 
please feel free to open your eyes if you had shut them. Is that enough treasure for us, for you and for me? No, I want to hear your answer. Is that enough treasure? It reminds me of my favourite bedtime story I used to read to our children, Abigail being the first of them, when they were growing up, called Guess How Much I Love You. It chronicles the enchanting tale of little nut-brown hair and big nut-brown hair trading superlatives in trying to find ways to express their love for each other. For every picture little nut-brown hair can conjure up, big nut-brown hair imagines one even bigger, eventually as far as loving his child all the way to the moon and back. It's like that with God. Do you now, like me, purely because of the process God has taken me through this week and in his preparation for my talk this morning, do you know, and I mean really know, with a steady, certain heart, knowledge, steady, certain heart, knowledge deep in your being, sorry, steady, certain heart knowledge deep in your being, do you know how wide, how long, how high, and how deep Christ's love is as Paul wrote to the Ephesians. That is our unimaginable treasure, our totally undeserved yet very real inheritance. So wow, do I now get the verse from our passage today. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves, me especially, that was an ad lib, not in the scripture, are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. We now have this treasure in clay jars. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. What do you think happens if you put something so mind-blowing, so enormous, so powerful, so explosive inside fragile clay jars? They cannot possibly contain it. It bursts forth from every orifice and opening in our beings. You know how kids almost wet themselves when they want to tell you about the birthday presents they've received or the star they got at school. They don't need an invitation to share it. It just gushes out of them. So it's hardly as if we even need to have, as it said in the passage, the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. It's not about me or you and how good or eloquent or charismatic we are, nor indeed how switched on we feel to the world. Leave that stuff to God. We are merely fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. Okay. I kicked off in a more fragile and less confident tone and mood. I wasn't gushing forth with this great treasure I couldn't contain. But be encouraged by Paul's God-inspired words at the end of our passage today. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. 
In other words, focus on the treasure and our troubles pale into insignificance and the sharing becomes only natural. Try it, why don't you? <laughs>